Welcome to episode 297 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright, guys, welcome along to episode 297 of Iron Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James. I was just pumping my arms out I'm there, mate. You're good. <laughs> doing a bit of aerobics with that. Yeah. Do you know what? I've got some big news, mate. Oh, what? Massive news. Yes. Got a new bike. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Got a new bike. Got myself a Pinarello. Oh, crikey deck. Yeah, yeah, it's all, it's all go. Got a new bike, so I have to tell you about it later in the show. But we're for a bike ride the other day, John. Nice. Not just a transport ride, an yes. actual bike ride. The world is a changing place. And you know what was really crazy? was It was one of those days where you had a headwind going out and a wicked backwind, you know, mm. backwind coming home. And uh, so going out, I was feeling all right because I was fresh. And then coming home, I was like riding like a legend. I was like, I'm back, baby. But admittedly, I'm not. But Here we yeah, go. it was feeling pretty good. I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by coffeesofwaii.com for the world's most delicious coffee. I've got a coffee fact for you this week, guys. Good. Be excited. Athlinks.com. Athlinks.com, the best social networking for endurance athletes. And admittedly, someone gave you a bit of a hard time on Facebook, mate. I was, yeah, I replied to that. Yeah, yeah, you might have to bring that up later on the show. <laughs> and Extreme Endurance. And S Endurance is your lactic buffer that helps you get better recovery, which makes you a better racer. Okay, guys, in this week's show, we've got some news. She's got a news coming up. Uh, we've got an age group of the week. We've got a website of the week. And we've actually got an interview with a guy with a great name, Bevan McKinnon. Good second name. So what's the story of Bevan? So Bevan is a... Good second name. <laughs> a good coach uh, based in Auckland. Um, the reason I wanted to get him on is he's a coach athlete. He's... Had some top tens in Ironmans. He's had a third at uh, Challenge Wanaka. Didn't he get second? Was it uh, third? Pretty sure it was third. Oh, okay. um, we can check on that. Uh, but also, he's, I believe, I think he's 40, um, or he's around that age. So he's yep. a, you can sort of get a, a multifaceted angle going on. Here we've got somebody who's, many would think, maybe past the twilight of his, or past the prime of his career. He's coaching, and uh, and he's built it up to be in coaching business as well. So um, He's got a pretty sharp website, hasn't he? Yes. Was it fitter.co.nz? Yeah. Okay, guys. Um, so first of all, we've got some questions and answers at the end. But first of all, we've got the news. And I must say, which are we going to start with, John? Because you've added some other bits of news in. Do you want to start with the No, first? no, no. Start with what we've got. Okay, so the first piece of news, John, is the WTC have announced exciting changes to the 5150 Triathlon Series and basically the whole kind of package they have, haven't they? Yeah, so whilst we talked, the title 5150, it really impacts uh, all distances of the, the sport that WTC um, run. And it's got a few really interesting things here. And this, this news, some of this news is a little bit old because we haven't done a yeah, show right, for two we, weeks. Yeah. Um, but I think the key things is is that the the winners of the high V fifty one fifty race from last year, and that is the what it used to be the Des Moines. You know, yeah, really won the girls. Who won the guys? Uh, no, she didn't win the oh, girls. She, she ran up to second. Oh, that's right. Who won the guys? Greg Bennett won the guys. Oh, okay. Um, so the winners of that race, Lisa, Lisa Norton. Yes, took it out, sure yeah, Lisa yeah. Norton took it out. Um, and then in the the fifty, the Marine Corps. Ironman World Championship 70.3. We've got to give the oh, Marine Corps go the bike. Marine Corps. Go fight for your country. So the winners of those two races um, now get an automatic invitation into the three championship races this year. So again, they automatically qualify for 50 on 50, 70.3 and Ironman, um, which is really quite interesting. So we can see someone like Greg Bennett now 
automatically qualifying. Doesn't have to go through the points system um, for any of these races because for all of these, you know, for the fifty-one fifty and for Kona, you've obviously got to accumulate points. You don't for the seventy point three. I don't think. Um, so that's really interesting. But I think the so wait a second. What are the implications? The implications are that if you're doing a fifty-one fifty and you win the new the championship, the high V. Then you can instantly go to Kona. You have to validate now. What, that what, is the critical yeah, sentence you've, here. You've, you've highlighted in red, John. That means <laughs> it's pretty important, provided they validate their slot. So what? Is, what actually happens? And so I popped an email off to Contacts yeah, WTC. Good old, good old friends. So what does this validate mean? Yep. And validating whenever you see this coming up, that means they need to do an Ironman. Oh, so it really it's, doesn't change much. It, well, it, change, it, it, it does. But Greg Bennett would have well, to. For someone like Craig Alexander. Who may have thought, well, winning seven point threes now means I only have to do one Ironman because he prefers to only do one Ironman a year, the World Championships. Yeah. And last year he had to do what did he end up doing? One of the smaller Cor- races, Lane. Cor- Lane, yeah. And so for someone like Craig, when you first read, it, you think, well, maybe he only needs to do seventy point three champs. No, from, from, it turns out my understanding is to validate this, you have to go and complete an Ironman. You don't have to gain points or anything. So I think what this basically does is the points are out the window. But you've still got to do an Ironman somewhere. So Greg Bennett and people like that, whether they want to go and tootle around an Ironman course to be, to be able to do Kona, not quite sure. Well, that's the thing. Like, what's the idea of this? Is the idea of this to appeal to a Greg Bennett to get get him to Kona? Because obviously, you know, it's only the winners who get the slot. So, mm. you know, it's obviously trying to get the highest level to Kona. Is, yeah, do you think so, that's the focus? Yeah, but 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 I think perhaps um, the second part of the article is actually where it might swing the other way and get some of the iron distance athletes uh, and the 70.3 athletes racing the short course because what's going to happen now is you for the to race the high v fifty one fifty championship race which is the, you know they're putting up there as their pinnacle event that is a point scoring um, series as well so you have to accumulate points in the fifty one fifty series and the top thirty five athletes I think it is get, get to, to race oh uh, so you you can't do high v no. So like, like a Bevan Doherty who probably didn't do any 5150s can't do high V. No. And, that's and is high V still the highest paying race? It's, it's still got big money. Yeah, it's uh, 1.1 million, which is US. So yeah. is that the biggest paying race in the world at the moment? I would think it probably is. Ah, oh, so, pretty, pretty so sure. they really are trying to stew everyone, or the, even the ITU dudes, to doing some of their races. And the good thing is, it pays all the way down to thirty fifth. So you just you finish last, and you still get a reasonable paycheck. Yep. Probably, probably as much as winning many Ironman races around the world. So what ha- what's what they've changed with that is that the quali- you can do seventy, you can have seventy point three points accumulating towards your. Your fifty-one fifty series. Oh, so, wait a second. So now points go across both series. Yeah, across oh. fifty-one fifty and seventy point three. So okay. that is going to help bring in better athletes to the fifty-one fifty championship. Um, so you can kind of mix up your season now, mm, and mm. then if you want to do one Ironman, then you could go to Kona. Yeah. So. Um, so I suppose then the question is: oh, yeah, no, that, This is only for fifty-one fifty series, not for kind of qualifying yeah I mean but if you won yeah yeah like but someone like Greg Bennett so, so for a lot of guys they're not going to be competitive over the 51-50 distance but if you look at you know guys like say who have come from a short course background say you know like Erasmus Henning Andreas Raylert people like that then they may now consider looking at that 51-50 series um, and doing doing some of those races so it'll allow them a bit more versatility perhaps. what kind of field did the 51-50 get last year did they make it restricted to only their people last year yep and it was a reasonable field, you know. <laughs> it, being, you know, if you compare it to a uh, an ITU World Championship series, uh, not the same caliber there, but it was still a good field. Would it be a second? Would it be a second level race? 
It'd be better than that. You know, you had guys you had guys like Rasmus Henning, you had Greg Bennett, you had Chris Gemmell, and you had a whole bunch of Americans. So uh, how did so Gemmell get good. to it? Because uh, he did some fifty-one fifty races, oh. so you probably got it. The last year they had to do a couple, probably to get in yep. and do reasonably in a couple. So yeah, it's interesting. There's a few things going on in this article, and perhaps probably that they highlighted it um, being you know the exciting changes of the fifty-one fifty series. But I think the last paragraph for me is um, is probably well, the, the most interesting. And that's where they're coming in saying so the money's in, so the, for the high V now it's one point one million, which has always been a pretty high paying race. Yeah. But now what they're doing, they're also increased the prize money at the Ironman. What am I saying? The Marine, Marine Corps, Corps 70.3 World Championships, and then the Ford Ironman World Championships as well. So the 70.3 goes up to $200,000. Doubled. Which is doubled. And then the World Championship Kona is now 650000 which is an increase of one fifty. I don't think it's. I, don't, I, I think it's not much of an increase, but it's an increase, so we're not complaining. Well, it would be nice if it get up to high V money. Yes, it would be. Um, but that, that's all sponsorship, you know, so yeah. it's not like WTC or the previous race organisers were dipping into their pocket for that. I, I'd imagine it was, it was pretty much all coming from high V. But I think the interesting thing there is, is the 70.3 prize money doubling, and, uh, and that hopefully might start to attract a much better field. Um, it's still got, obviously, a good field, but uh, 200,000 is, is really starting to so come So what will there. the winner get, 100,000? No, it can't. No, no, check, no. Check and guy 50 each, maybe? I'd about to say about 50, something like that. That's still a pretty good payday, isn't it? Yeah, so starting to get up there. The challenge I've got for, for Ironman athletes is it's pretty close to Kona, and where the Kona serious guys really want to um, dabble in well, risking their Kona performance. You look at Crow. Mm, he did, but, but not many others did. Mm. Uh, I suppose the question is, with 70.3, why won't they, like, with Ironman it's hard to do a World Championship Series. I know they've got the point system, but it's mm. a bit Mickey Mouse as in regards to having a payment at the end because of the guy who had the best performance. But with 70.3, because it's not so demanding on the body, you could probably do that. Do you think they'll move towards that? The, the, the Like Series Champion, who they actually get... Uh, it's still. I don't think it's, an, it's still not enough money to to get the real big kahunas. I think what it will do, you probably see more of the fifty one fifty athletes sort of trying to step up and, and and do that race. So what's it saying at the end of the article is that professional athletes will have up to five of their highest scores, race scores counted towards their fifty one fifty PR. At least one of those races have to be a fifty one fifty series. Uh, event up to two of the designated 70.3s make count towards your total, so they're yeah. starting to get their points. So, interesting changes. They're trying to make athletes, or trying to give the athletes more opportunity to, to race all distances. And, so. and I think the other thing is, as well, is it's good to see more money coming in. Yeah, you know, exactly. The more money for the pros, the better. Mm. So, we just want to see some more money in these iron distance races, crank up the Kona prize money to over a million, and. Uh, well, you kind of think that high V. 5150, you know, if you can get a million bucks for that, surely for Kona. I know, because the coverage yeah, it gets. Yeah, Kona's a bigger race. You know, you're like, on, on the public, in the world, everyone knows. You, you talk about trifling, you're like, oh, if you don't Kona. Yeah. You know, <laughs> if you talk to Joe Public, if you told anyone about Hy-Vee, they wouldn't know what you're talking about. Exactly. You know, in our world, we know about it, but. So, yeah, you kind of think that, surely, you've come on, Ford. <laughs> yeah, Ford, stump it up. They put up flipping about 50 million for the adverts in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Just, give, just, us, give, just us, give us an easy mill. It's just an easy mill. Okay, well, they have big news coming up. Well, some more news coming up this week is that Van Hulnicker is doing the Kellogg's Nutrigrain. Jeez, you're putting all the sponsors in on me this week. I am Man New Zealand. It's interesting news because can Cameron Brown's shackles on the Ironman New Zealand title be broken? They have 
if you go back in the history books, technically they had been broken when uh, he was beaten by Alain Johan Johansson, um, yeah. the big Estonian dude, when it was a half-distance yeah. um, duathlon. Then it doesn't really count. But it's a pretty serious threat. He's a pretty speedy dude. You know, He's the guy that broke the world record last year, first guy to break the world record, and then it was obviously re-broken by Ray Lert. Um, but it's an interesting move because uh, last year, I think, and previously he's done Ironman South Africa. Now, how did he, go? he blew out in Kona, didn't Kona, he? Kona, yes. Yeah. He hasn't got any points, so he's got to start accumulating a few points. Which, which if he'd done well in Kona, you go, okay, he's just ticking the box. But mm. because he hasn't done that well in Kona, like it's not a very good points race in New Zealand, uh, is it? It's 2,000, so it's, it's not as big as your championship races. Um, but he'll have to do another, you know, you assume he'll go and do Austria again. So if he wins two, two Ironmans, you would assume that would be um, enough to, to get him over the line. I remember... Um, who do we speak to? Dirk Bockel a couple of weeks ago he was sort of saying, you know, maybe about three and a half thousand points sort of gets you there. And if you win um, Ironman New Zealand, get a couple of thousand. Maybe Austria, I'm not sure what level that is, but maybe it's a couple of thousand as well. So yeah, there are thereabouts. And, and he won a 70.3 the other day as well. But it's interesting that he's chosen New Zealand. You know, um, South Africa has the same amount of points and it's got more prize money. It's just a, a few weeks later. Um, but last year he got either second or third in Abu Dhabi, which is on the same mm. day as Ironman New Zealand this year, so he obviously won't be doing the double there, and, and Abu Dhabi is great money, so um, yeah, it's just, I guess it's just the lure of coming back to New Zealand, and um, I'm not quite sure why I'd, why I'd pick this one. Is, is, um, do we know much about the field at Abu Dhabi no, I saw a press release a couple of days ago that looks like they're probably going to sell out the race again, um, but there hasn't been any mention about the field, but I'd imagine... It'll be pretty good. The prize money's the same, so why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Can Cameron Brown hold on, Bevan? Who would you put your money on? Oh, many people have cracked under Cam Brown in New Zealand. They have. You know what I mean? Like, if you look over the years, it's like there has been some years where the field is a little bit easier. But there have been some years where he's had some pretty good challenges. And, you know, he's had Stadler when he was in his prime. Oh, John, your phone's going. I was leaning on it, that's why. Yeah, you're leaning on it. Um, Oops, I'm, oh, I'm no, doing it. talking to you. Oops, I'm, I don't know. You're ringing someone. Yeah, sorry about that. So, whoever. <laughs> Um, you know, so it, yeah, I don't know. I think that's a really good question. Yeah, well, who if you had to go to the TAB today and I give you a hundred bucks, and I took, I withdrew a hundred dollars from your account. Oh, thanks. So you won't even give me the money no. to do it. Why would you go? I'm gonna say Cam. Yeah, if I had to go to the TAB, purely just because it's his race. Mm. You know, it's a New Zealand field. He knows the race like the back of his hand. He's, he, geez, he's, he's been consistent every year there. Mm. It, like, he's never had a bad race there, has he? Yes. I, I don't know. I'd probably be inclined to do the same. I think if I had to go to the... If it was purely based on who's the best athlete, you'd have to go Van Helnicke right yes. now. Yes. But, but, I don't know. I think when you run the race 10 times, oh, it's a hard one because Cam is getting into that twilight and, of his and, career. And normally, you know, often you get the athletes coming down here and they're not in their peak shape. Yep. Because they've sort of been training in the Northern Hemisphere, and I think oh, I'll come down to New Zealand, nice race to go and do. Um, but the difference with Van Honaker is he has been he goes to South Africa, and he's, he's I think he'll be in pretty good shape. So, oh, it's a tricky one. And then you have got Terenzo Bazzoni to throw in there as well. But Bazzoni, Bazzoni. Now, how's he going? Um, well, according to interviewer Ella Harris, yeah, who did a great job. Did you watch them? 
I did. Uh, I was who, really impressed. Who's, who's uh, looks down the Good work, Ella, because cause Ella, you know, you can see these kids kids do interviews and things. like They had some kid in the Rugby World Cup. Did you see that kid? No. Oh, and one of the news channels, they had this kid who was, you know, we've got a kid expert, and the kid was pretty poor, to be honest. Sorry, yeah. but he was. And uh, so, you know, like, uh, you know, I was going to watch Ella, and, I was, you know. So she's a. She was sort of, sharp. She's like an ambassador for doing, yeah, interviewing she, Terenzo Bozzoni. She did a great job. Look, I'm not just saying that because of this one. I was really impressed, Ella. Good yeah. work. So. Um, yeah, I think he might be a little bit off the mark because he's been injured and he's just sort of on the comeback trail. But he'll add another element to the mix because he'll be there after the swim and he'll probably be there after the bike. But yeah. Whether he's got the running legs under him to challenge those guys, I don't know. But it's going to make for an interesting race. Yeah, it's good. That's what we want, isn't it? Mm. Okay, Israel Man happened a couple of weeks ago and finally we got some results. Tom Mar... Uh, let's, let's have a look at that. Marele won 10.36. Zach Moore That's in a great 10.30. Name. And Amir Basha in 11.17. And go side of things. Arena Mazan in 11.45. Close racing. Uh, second place, Dora Heller in 11.48. So only three minutes less, no, two and a half minutes separating those guys. And Miriam Baor in 13.04. They also had a half distance race. Rory Maguire from Ireland took it. Avishay Ravi from Matan Kassif. And it sounds like we, we got sent through a little article on it. It sounds like a, a pretty interesting race. Fascinating race. So you run along the, the border of Egypt and you've got the Israel, uh, Israeli soldiers there. With their big flipping <laughs> guns out of uh, some sci-fi movie apparently ready to blow your head off if you, if you tried to jump over the border. Um, but it's apparently on, on the swim you sight Jordan on the way out and Egypt on the way back. Really? Yes. And well, so Stadler was there. Stadler was there apparently and as well. And he said it was, it was Kona, Lanzarote kind of feel to it. Pretty tough race. Yeah. So, uh, then that, 850 people. Yeah, man. You were, you were talking yeah, the Challenge like, Monica was the first sort of iron, proper iron distance race. Well, I thought, this, I thought this was like a three people kind of race, you know, me and yeah. your mum. But eight, 850 people, and it's held on 20th of January. Wow, so that's pretty awesome. So maybe you want to check that out next year if you're in that part of the world. Okay, well, Maka came over to New Zealand, and he did one of our contact energies. I remember the sponsor yeah. there. Uh, Tri-Series, which is a series of about, what, seven or eight races? Um, not quite that many. It used to be that many. You created, you, I think they started with nine. I think they're down to about six now, maybe, or so. But it was the... Why is that? Um... Pretty tricky to put on that many races nationwide, and the okay. numbers probably weren't there, I guess, and budgets, whatever. Yep. Um, but it was actually the Oceania Sprint Distance Championships, and it was held in Kinloch, which is just around the corner from Taupo on the other side of the. We got a lot from Kat about it. So, what was the story? What distance were they doing? So, they're doing 750 swim, 20k bike, 5k run. Um, it's got a reasonable, um, reasonable hill on the bike each lap, and Maka got spanked. <laughs> He uh, well off the pace in the swim, and this this you know he he did nine forty two in the it? swim, and he was you know over a, basically a minute off the the pace of a seven fifty in the swim. And these guys are they're good swimmers, but they're not you know this is a this is not an ITU standard you know World Cup series race or anything like that. And so he's way off the pace in the on the swim. He he rode up a bit, and, and his run you know his run is there or thereabouts. But he's running with guys there that you would uh, at times you'd expect for guys that are finishing. Probably outside the top half of the field and at a World Championship Series race. Um, yeah, so wait a second, let's, let's do the Mecca, what's going to happen with Mecca this year. So, so for Mecca to get to the Olympics, when does he have to qualify by? Oh, I, don't, I don't know the exact Australian procedure, but basically he's, he's in, in this race here, he's got three Aussies that you wouldn't have yeah. put in the, even in the hunt um, that, that have beaten him, that beaten him there. So 
look, at the end of the day, if he can make, if it comes to in, in Sydney and in any of these races, if he makes the swim, the swim pack, he's he's he's, he's as good as, uh, yep, as sort of the third placed Australian guy. He's got a, he's got a chance, but unless he can sort of swim out, he's got no chance. And when do the, so when do the races start coming along? Where, where uh, he... April we see. I think first round Sydney in April, and then I think they're going probably going to Yokohama probably after that, uh, or or yeah, somewhere in Asia. So. I think Sydney will be a really big for, big one for him. Oh, I hope he gets here. Like you know, like I think I just think it's a good story. So Mecca, yeah. So we've got sixth. Uh, good racing. Haven't seen the coverage yet. Oh, okay. Um, Kona slot for Ch- uh, Japan seventeen point three. So the Japanese race disappeared after all the bad stuff that happened in Japan last year, and so they have left Kona slots open, and they've got thirty Kona slots for Kona. 70, for the 70.3 in Japan happening this year so I think it's a really good thing well I think no, normally I'd be critical of spots going yeah. to the 70.3 series but there's no races in Asia yeah. there's no Korea there's no Malaysia there's no Japan no China no China um, so why is that we, like, we had four yeah like obviously Japan's a bit of a funny situation but I guess is, is it they're not taking off in China or in Asia well then I guess it's just a numbers thing, and, and it's very. It seems like they always have complications putting on the races. But it's funny, like when you go to Hong Kong, there's quite a few dudes who do like, like the seventy point three in Singapore. Like those mm. are oh, well yeah. supported races. You think you'd have to pull off one eye, man? Yeah, it, it, it's obviously it's yeah, racing in that sort of heat is bloody hard work. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, I, I totally agree. Japan. I, I guess I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll see one back in Japan next year. Funny talking to Chris McDonald about China a few years ago, and he's I think he's in second place or he's winning or something. Yeah. <laughs> He's going so slow. He's trying to hide in the buildings, yeah. not because he's worried about shade, because he doesn't want the athlete behind him to see he's walking. Yeah. But the athlete behind him is doing the same thing. Yeah. So. It's, uh, <laughs> so if you want to try to get yourself to Kona and you're living in Asia, go to the uh, Japan seventy point three, and uh, there's some slots going up. Okay, Good morning, well, Joe. Joe's coming in. She's going to have a cup of coffee out, you babe. <laughs> yep. So, uh, so what am I saying? We've got a wicked email from Trudy at Metasport, and she was just saying that she's thanking us, John. And I, I yeah. don't really know how this works. She sent us an email saying a big thanks for mentioning Metaman Britain Bintan Bintan on Iron Talk before Christmas. You sealed the deal for us, and we're able to offer the pro prize of sixty thousand dollars. But she didn't really tell us how we sealed the deal. We just got the word out there about the race. But it's going, to be, it's going to be great. It's going to be a very hot race, um, as we just sort of talked about. That's a jug in the background. Can you hear yeah, the jug? It's a bit of ambiance. You know? yeah. A bit of ambiance. Yeah. Well, she's, she's having coffee, John. We're going to talk about coffee soon. Yes. Uh, so the Metaman Bintan has now got $60,000 prize money, which is good. You know, that's more than a lot of Ironman. Yeah. A lot of Ironman. Um, so good on them for, for stumping it up, and hopefully they'll get some good pros uh, supporting it, as well as obviously they need the age group number. So it's on the 15th of September, and the website is metamanbintan.com. They also have a half distance race if a guy's racing Kona it's about four weeks out it's um, if anybody in Kona probably getting starting to get a little bit close but to go over there and do a, like a half Ironman at just a controlled effort well if, you know if we're talking about Asia mm-hmm. and no Iron distance races well there you go. There, there is one we now. We just filled that gap, didn't we, John? We, we, we just, we're just making it happen on, on the show. And it sounds like I've, I've got a couple of guys who've been over there before for training, and it sounds like a nice place to, to go and race. The issue is going to be that it's going to be bloody hot. But John, know, we, have, we have an issue. Well, dear, we've got an issue, have we? We've got an issue because we're, we're going to talk about the first sponsor of the show, Coffee of Hawaii, and today we're talking about Valentine's Day gifts. 
And Joe's in the next room, John. Oh, Joe, you know what you're getting for Valentine's Day now? <laughs> the perfect gift for your sweetheart. Customize oh, she's my with, sweetheart. With any three, uh, three coffees of your, ch- of your choosing. It, it's basically the new, they've got a customized um, Valentine's Day gift tin. It's going to have three coffees in there, and they're suggesting at, at, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, add a gift card, a chocolate-covered coffee beans oh. for a delicious and sophisticated combination. Joe's oh. nodding ahead. She's giving me a nod from around the corner. There you go. There's your first order, Albert. There, there we go. We just sold 10 packages because I love it that much, John. <laughs> so if you go to coffeesofhawaii.com, uh, on their homepage, I've got the Valentine's Day gift tin. Um, always remember to use codes IMTALK and you get yourself a nice You like a coffee, eh, babe? Yeah, mm, yep. yeah, she likes a strong coffee too. There you go. Because I make her a coffee in the morning and I yes. make it nice and strong. She goes, Oh, that's good, babe. And I go, Yep. That's great. Yep. It's those little things, John. You've got to do those with your partner. Well, John, I'm doing my coffee facts and I thought this week I'd tell you how coffee works, John. Okay, here we go. There we go. So, your brain, in your brain, there's something called adenosine and it only uh, wants to hang out with certain receptors. When these two get together, they get a little bit drowsy, John. That's when we mm. start to get a little bit tired. Oh. When caffeine shows up, it attaches to the receptors and and a denison cannot, so they can't work together. Your pool now. I've got to go somewhere. All right, how did I say it, babe? Pulmonary. Maybe? Yeah, maybe. maybe? Pit, pituitary, pituitary, whatever. <laughs> glands. <laughs> yeah. See this and think there's an emergency and tell adrenal glands to produce adrenaline. And so what happens is the caffeine bumps up your dopamine levels as well. The result is you get a caffeine high and you get a lot of energy, John. There you go. So if you if you, you always it, want a bit of energy on Valentine's Day, so make sure you give that gift early bunch, in the day. Well, you know what, John? A mocha is whipped cream, milk, chocolate syrup, and espresso. A cappuccino is tons of foam, yes. milk, and espresso. Uh, Americano is just water and espresso. Now this can vary from country to country. Oh, really? When you go to Italy and France and stuff, sometimes you order things and you get, it's not quite what you expect. Um, you, you're giving us a lot of facts today, Bevan. Well, I've got so many facts, John. I've probably got a year's worth. Okay. So go to coffeesofwai.com and use code IAMTALK and you get yourself a nice Last fact. Last, Last fact. fact. In uh, 1675, what do you think happened, John? Um, the first cup of coffee was drunk. No, but that's a good guess. Do you know what you should read? A good book to read mm-hmm. is... Um, Bill Bryson You heard of Bill Bryson? Yes Have you read any of his books? Mm, I tried reading that uh, Big Bang sort of Oh that was hard work Oh yeah Yeah because it was a bit too geeky For yeah. a, for us simpletons But yes. it, uh, The short history of everything that yes. was, Yeah, yeah. Um, I did read it I got about two thirds yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But what, what I liked about that book Is it gave personality To the to the people Who yeah. you kind of heard names of But anyway He's got a book on Shakespeare, which is mm-hmm. brilliant because it kind of shows you, like, no, you know the picture of Shakespeare? Shakespeare? Mm-hmm. It's actually not of him. I know, I know. It was a scandal. Yes. But anyway, it's a very good book and it kind of just, I don't know why I'm talking about that. Anyway, yeah. it's around that time. 1675, the King of England banned coffee houses, claiming there were places where people were meeting to conspire against them. Oh, dear. I know, John. It was controversial at the time. Crazy, crazy stuff. Another great coffee um, fact brought to you by coffeesofhawaii.com. A couple of other just quick items of news. Um, if you haven't read the news, Lance Armstrong, the, oh, yeah, uh, the investigation into him has so now been, been canceled. Well, it's basically they investigated him for a couple of years for defrauding the sponsorship money they received from the government by cheating, yep. i.e. doping, and now that's been called off. However, on the flip side of this, Contador has just received a two-year ban from... For 2010. Years, yeah, and that's going to annul his uh, any victory, so it annuls his uh, so Giro victory, there? and then it annuls his Tour de France victory one year, and so it just goes to the next place thing. So Andy Schleck is now the Tour de France champion for 2010. 
That kind of sucks, doesn't it? Yeah. Doesn't you know, like, you, you, well, you can claim it, you yeah. know, like for the rest of his life he was the champ, but yeah. you kind of get that buzz. Yes. So, and one other piece of news out. So what, is he, what happens to the titles he's won before that? They're okay, because it just, it just, it's just for the, during the period that when he tested positive, then onwards. Do you think, if you want a joke treat, you know, like, do you think you kind of go, well, you know. <laughs> when should we get him on the show and ask him? Well, I'm sure he'd love talking to us right now. Yeah. Um, and one other thing, the Legends of Triathlon podcast um, with Simon Whitfield is up, and the Blue 70 auction for the Helix wetsuit still rolls for, I think, maybe one or two more days. So if you want to get yourself a good deal, get Great deal. It. Get Great on to deal. it. Okay, last week's discussion. We got a bit of told off about this discussion, to be honest, John. Did we? Well, it's brought to you by Training Peaks. If you want to get on to discussion. Training Peaks, yeah, the disc- oh. hot topic of the week is brought to you by Training Peaks. Use the code IMTALK for 15% discount on any premium account subs. Just click on the logo on imtalk.me and that'll take you off. And uh, yeah, make sure you use that code IMTALK. Okay, so the discussion was someone sent through an email saying, look, uh, two, pa- two people with the opposite sex trading together all the time, um, wondering. Both married, something bad happening there. Yes. Um, interesting discussion, John. Yes. Um, Johanna Parsons, it's never been an issue for my husband, and most of my training um, has been done with guys for the sole reason that they're my level in terms of speed, so we're good, a good match. Also, I think my hubby feels safe because I like the absolute crap. I look like absolute crap when I train, so there's no way anyone anyone would <laughs> be hitting on me. me. <laughs> yeah, that's a really Do you want to get do another one? Because I've yep. Uh, my, Julia my, Jones having a non-athletic husband. This happens to me all the time. I've solved it by inviting training partners over to our home for dinners and lunches along with their families, so we all get to know each other and nobody feels threatened. By the way, I've seen this happen more often with non-athletic female partners. Oh, it's interesting. Well, Dave Hayward's just saying, I'm pretty sure people don't go out and commit adultery while they are training. But it's possible to develop relationships by sharing a painful or uncomfortable experience and encouraging other, each other through it. They may never intend to go beyond training, but they can de- develop. Out of respect to my wife, I simply avoid the mere possibility of someone even starting to think someone inappropriate may be, something inappropriate may be happening. I apply this rule to other aspects of my life too. The only woman I'll pair up for any purpose is my lovely wife. There you go. Uh, I put lovely in there. Just Jaran yeah. Van Stilvoort. Um I've had, had this happen before with a female training partner. I did not see the harm in training um, with someone as long as it's just training and doesn't distract from your relationship any further than, than training requires. The real danger becomes coffee or lunch after training. Um, with that said, as long as there is open communication on all fronts and it's uh, it's kept to training. I don't see a problem with it. I do, however, find it hard to find people to train with that are the same fitness point or speed or non-speed. Um, I'm often so I often just choose to train alone. Less headaches overall, I think. Okay, well here's a female's perspective. Sam Smith, I think it's Sam Smith. Thought, well, Sam can be a guy or a girl, and there's a guy and a girl in the photo. Oh, tricky! It's <laughs> a tricky one. But tricky. I'm, I'm going to go. I think, like most things in life, it is always be fine for the woman to do what she wants to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm thinking it's a check. Um, it, it is always going to be okay for the woman to train with men, as they will claim it is because men tend to be faster and fitter. But if a bloke tries to train with other woman, combined with the heavy training load of an Iron Man, all hell will break loose. And there will be a lot of sleeping on the sofa for your athletic career. Play it safe and only train with the ugly ones. I'm not sure if this is a guy or a girl, but... Um, Norman White, this is a classic. It's not a problem. A guy's an old fella 
is not that impressive when you pull down your <laughs> cycling kit after a ride, not even mentioning the fume, the, the fine aroma it gives off. It could gag a maggot. <laughs> nice. Uh, Malcolm Jones, uh, if guys can get chicked, what do chicks call it when male crushes them in training or races? Just a thought. Uh, I'd ask on another. Yep. Even your thoughts, or you got another one there? Um, Matthew Bins told us off. Is he? He said, John and Bevan, been a long time listening to the show. This is possibly the worst topic of discussion. <laughs> it's a non-event. Sharpen up, guys. Get back on track. Okay. Sorry, Matthew. Sorry. It's Bevan. We're sorry. Um, I, I, th- I do think, you know what? I, what? Well, you know, in the gym you see a lot of, you know, like I was saying at the time, and, and to be honest, I don't think those people are cheating. They seem like really friends and they've been, you know, and, and they hang out with each other's partners quite a lot, you know, so they, you know, the people I think of, I don't think are necessarily cheating. But, but I do think that there is a, there is a possibility in, in, in our world that these types of things could happen if you were always training with someone from the opposite sex because this sport isn't good for relationships no and you know and if you're in a sport where you know you're you're not you're neglecting your core relationship because you're training all the time and then you go home and, you, and your partner's complaining at you all the time because you're never at home and you know one of my good mates has just started cycling recently and he's having that real struggle of how do you you know fit cycling into our life you know because it's such a time-consuming sport and him and his partner worked out some rules that are making it work for them but they've done really well but from a lot of people they don't get that right and so if you go home and your partner's complaining about it all the time and then suddenly you're training with someone and you know i don't think it happens a lot no but but i don't see why it wouldn't happen at times i would agree with you that it's probably could be the one thing that might tip it over the edge a little bit if you're you're out a lot but it's the same you know in terms of relationships, it's the same as working with a female, um, doing, doing. Yeah, I suppose the difference is, but if you if you do have it, like like going back to the neglect thing, the thing is our sport takes us away from our partners a lot, and then when we get home, we tend to be tired. Mm. So then the partner feels they're not getting a very good version of you. So then, if you're then going out and you know you're going out and riding with another girl for five hours, and mm. you you know, and uh, you know what, it really comes to where is your relationship? If you've got a really mm. strong relationship, I, I don't think it'd ever be a problem. If your relationship is weak, I'm sure it could cause problems week and if you're pushing the boundary in terms of how much time you're spending away uh, you know maybe at, maybe at some stage and I know the other time we had that relationship expert on the show and I think it's you know John and I have always been big on encouraging the idea of getting you know looking after your relationship first mm. um, because like on Epic Camp that time when we had what was it 90% of them were divorced or something mm. like that it was pretty much everyone was divorced and um, and these are guys who are pretty extreme athletes but it does our sport attracts the extreme person and um and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Is it worth? Is our sport worth losing a relationship that valuable over? And it's something that we should all think about. That's right. Getting pretty deep here, John. Oh, Jeff, the explosion. But I have to say, I'm glad I don't do I since I've been with Joe. Right. Like I know my previous relationship was really hurt from the fact, and it wasn't because I was cheating for it, but it was just I was doing such a consuming sport. And Joe and I started seeing each other when I did my last route, and I'm kind of glad she saw what my life was like then. But I'm also glad. That I don't have to put that so much time into in my sport now, so it, it is. It's a hard thing to balance. Jeff the curry oh, explosion. Jeff, the explosion curry has sent through a, a lovely message, just saying he's loving what we're doing. But also, he's got the question of the week for this week, and he's got his own blog, and it's jellyman slash Jeff at blogspot dot com, and he's just and we got us thinking, John, didn't it? He did. And it's, the question of the week this week is: How many of you have your own blogs? Or regularly follow blogs of other triathletes, excluding the pros. 
So basically, we want to give yourself love on our discussion or, this week. Or um, good pro blogs that you follow as well. So we're just sharing. Always, you said excluding the pros. Okay, excluding the pros. Sorry, <laughs> did you listen? Should have been listening. <laughs> so there you go. Some blogs up there, non-pro ones that you think. And we're going to be well checking to see if you're giving us love on your blog. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Come on, <laughs> Jeff. Explode. Yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, the discussion of the week is probably brought to you by trainingpeaks.com. Um, one thing that came to mind when we were, we were talking to Dirk Friel, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and he started talking about things like, I know oh it was Gordo um, when we talked about him. Training camps? Yeah, he was talking about TSS scores. We had some questions about that, and I, I decided not to ask a question about that because that was going to open up a whole can of beans in terms of uh, um, what is TSS, what does it mean. But on trainingpeaks.com, if you go on there and click on the resources button, um, they've got a webinar with Gordo and Alan Cousins about targeted TSS training for Ironman. They've also got things, uh, plan your season with Joe Frill. So if you click on the resources, there's a whole bunch of information up there it's all free you can just you can just go and check it out the youtube clips um so there's whilst we're encouraging people to join up and uh open accounts with training peaks they're free if you want to get one of the um paid ones make sure you use the code i am talk and you get a 15 percent discount wow it's a long webinar it's it's an hour yeah it's an so hour some, some great stuff up there Oh, there you go. So go to trainingpeaks.com, click on the resources, and you've got all the information you need up there. So so what's good about Training Peaks is they are actually educating you on how, and they're making it easy. Video is so much easier, isn't mm-hmm. it? And, you know, and they've actually got the website on, they've got like a screenshot of what's happening on the website while they're talking. So, you know, as you want to learn to use Training Peak even better, like I always think that if you know the tools better, you can get better work from it. So there we go. Joe's gone to work. Is it Joe, is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, she didn't give me a kiss. Oh, oh maybe she's been doing a bit too much training. I've got the balance right. Again. Yeah. <laughs> it's over. Get out. Okay, change the com. locks. Change the locks. When she goes out, so change the locks. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll just change the locks. You didn't kiss me today, babe. I've walked you out of the house. Okay. Music time. Okay, here's some music. I'll put some music on, John. Here we go. Hey. Group of the week. You know what I have for breakfast this morning? What? Well, because I've been. Are you, last, you know, you kind of do transition breakfasts over time. What are you want to Well, eat? you know, you kind of go porridge for six months and you go, oh, I need something different. And then you go for a bit of, you know, nutri grain. Okay. Yep. Do you? Mm, sort of. Or you've had the same breakfast for the last 20 years? So, yeah, pretty much. Really? No, no, I just. I either have fruit for breakfast or I have my, my Belinda cereal mix. Oh, and what's we, the Belinda? We, what's that? It's uh, basically it's just. We make it up ourselves. It's rolled oats. Um, you make it yourself. It's very easy. It's rolled oats, coconuts, uh, coconut shredded coconut, uh, raisins, sliced up dates, and almonds. You've just gone up in my book. And uh, some, with some, where we spice it up, sometimes we mix in a bit of cream, a bit of uh, no, not cream, oh. some, another type of cereal. Yeah, maybe a little bit of toasted muesli in there just to spice it up a little. What do you have? Yogurt or do you just milk? Yogurt and just a little bit of milk. Oh, John, that sounds pretty good. Maybe you should put that in the cookbook we were going to do ten years ago. I'm still doing the cookbook. It's just <laughs> taking a little time to form. Really? Yeah. Really? So, what did you? How did you spice your breakfast up? Well, no, because I've gone from because I, I used to have a lot of cereals and porridge, and recently I've gone back to toast with peanut butter because I do like a bit of peanut mm-hmm. butter. But this week, because tomatoes, Joe's granddad's got lots of tomatoes. Mm-hmm. He's got like, her granddad's basically 90 something. Mm-hmm. He's got the meanest garden, and right. it's just for himself, so it's great for us. And so I'm having hummus, tomato, 
bit of, bit of salt and pepper on the top, John. Eh? <laughs> it's pretty Spicy good. breakfast. I was pretty happy with my breakfast. The only problem is you do tend to burp up hummus. Right, I'm glad we've got a bit of distance between us on the mics today. Because <laughs> I've got the garlic hummus. Do you yeah. like hummus? Do you like hummus? I love hummus, can't have any more. Gets Thomas's, uh, Thomas has got allergies to it. So do you love it? when you, maybe, maybe next week. Come around here, I'll give you some hummus and tomatoes okay. on toast for breakfast. There we go. Deal. There we go. Okay, deal. Deal. we're going to lock it and we'll talk about it on the show. Okay, so you guys have been a bit poor on your age group this week. Is that what I'm thinking? That's definitely what you're thinking. Sharpen up, team. How many people do you... Because I always think it's... I, when we get age group of the week, I always think, wow, how cool is it that this person's actually taken the time to write to us? Because, hmm. you know, we're all so busy and most people think about themselves all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I always think, how wow. It's so nice that people actually take the time and some people write some pretty detailed emails about what people have achieved. And so for people who have ever sent through an age group of the week, you're a legend. And for those who have thought to yourself, I need to do that and I haven't, Get it's on. time to sharpen up. Yes. This time of the year, we're short on content. Okay, so what but we've we, done, went, we went to Kona this year, we uh, last year, it and it was amazing. a fast day at the office. So there course records were sent everywhere. If you didn't set a PB there last year, you've, uh, you've yeah, missed a golden it. opportunity yeah. <laughs> because it was year. pretty good conditions. <laughs> but I thought, I wonder how fast the guys in the 50 to 54 age were oh, going. Okay. Um, and they were going fast. Just in your own mind as you listen to the show right now, 50 to 54 age group, what kind of time do you think they would do in Kona? See, I'm just putting it out there for the listener. Well, I would say if you wanted to win, right? You meant to say time. The time is nine hours forty-two and thirty-six seconds. That is pretty fast. You know what's interesting? Fifty to fifty-four. That's smoking. Do you know what's interesting is you go to Kona, you do nine hours forty-two minutes. Pretty fast. That's pretty good. I'd be happy with that. You're fifty. That's sensational. But you're only finishing two hundred and eighty-second. Well, with last, a nine, year. last year with a, nine, with a nine. The year I did it, you did that, you got it at 40th. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I reckon probably even higher than that, to be honest. Um, so, John Mergler, who's a bit of a legend in Australia, um, I, I imagine he's won this title before, but he. Have you heard of him? Get, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yep, the Aussies talk about him a lot. Uh, he's a bit of a legend. He's 52 years old, from Australia, and he's from Sydney, and he swam a 111.49, he rode 501.13, and then he ran a 321.40 into 9 hours 42.30. To win the 50 to 54 age group. Wow. He's 282nd overall out of 1918. And um, what was interesting, his run splits, he really held his run together well. Um, hold on, my page has just gone a bit funny. Uh, but he ran. Sorry, I'm looking at something else. He, he averaged. Oh, what's happened here? My page has gone funny. Bit. Run splits. Okay, where are we? With the bike splits, run splits. Um, it doesn't really say, John. Oh, I think I must have cut this page a little bit. Yeah. Up, no, I didn't. It's up the top there. Oh, up top? Up the top. He managed to hold through. So he ran 321, which is 7.41 per mile. He set out at 7.35 per mile through the first five miles, and he picked it up a bit, and it's through 10 miles. He had 7.23, faded a bit in the middle, st- in, the, in the sort of latter stages, dropped down to 8.23 averages at a 17-mile marker. But then he brought it home again for 7.23s from, for the last sort of nine miles or so. So uh, sensational yeah, pacing. Yeah, strong finish. Very strong pacing. Nice. Nice. Love your work. Okay, we also have a girl. Female on the female. Okay, wait. What time do you think, listeners, that the top chick in the 50 to 54 age group would do in Kona? Ten hours, forty-four minutes, and one second. Smoking again, John. Where'd she get overall? Oh, that's what's interesting here. She fin- she didn't eight hundred and seventieth. 
Oh, but that's with males I and females. I know that's with males and females, but you do a 1040, that's uh, still not a bad time, mm. and you only finish 870th. Yeah. Now, what's interesting here is she seems, her name is uh, Teresa Ryder. It sounds like she's an Australian living in Boulder. Nice. Uh, she's 53 years old. She swam 116, and she was 15th in her division out of the swim. Yep. Smoked through on the bike with a 535, and then ran a 344. 344. Wow, great race. So it really is a special thing to win Kona in your age group. Big time. You know, like it's pretty special, isn't it? Mm. Her pacing on the run, not quite so good as John Mergler's. Uh, she started off at, well, she came home <laughs> I strong. I love the change in tone. It was good. It, it seems like everybody must have struggled at that, getting from 10 to 17 miles. Yep. Well, that's so the that, energy lab, isn't it? Uh, it must also, that also includes uh, going up Palani Hill, so that probably yeah. takes a bit out of you as well. Started off at, eight, her average pace on the run was 8.35, started off at 8.09, well then dropped it down to 7.55 through 10 miles. So too early. Coming down Pal- Alihi on the way back, got a little bit of the mojo going, hit Palani, and she, uh, then she dropped down to 9.43s for that section, that seven mile section from 10 to 17 miles. But then brought it home nicely, got that downhill last bit at the end there. For an 8.18 um, average pace to the 26.2 mile mark. So solid effort, first in her age group. Well done. Love your work. We don't, we don't, have, a, we don't have a sponsor for that bit. No. Oh, that's good. Mm. Okay. Okay, well, next up, we've got an interview coming up, and we haven't recorded, but we'll record that in a minute, but with Bevan McKinnon mm. and, uh, from fitter.co.nz, and uh, we'll get that on the show right now. Righty-ho, on um, today's show we've got a, uh, a living legend, maybe we should get him on our Legends show. Um, well, he's got a great name, and that's, that deserves to be on the show just oh, in that. I don't know about that. <laughs> so, Bevan McKinnon from uh, fitter.co.nz, he's up here, he's a triathlon coach um, first and foremost, but what sets him apart a little bit differently is uh, also races in the pro divisions, and then probably the third aspect that um, puts him a little bit different to some of the other pro athletes out there is uh, he's, he's not in his 20s. And and yet he's still able to. Still looks like he is, John. Still looks like he yeah. is. Must be the name. Probably uses facial products as well. Um, but he's you know he's had a third place in Challenge Wanaka. He's had top tens in um, Ironman New Zealand. Third in Ironman Korea. Tenth uh, in in Utah in 2011. Um, so he's able to sort of stack up his coaching credentials with um, athletic performance um, and sort of tying it in with the you know more or less working full time. So welcome along, Bevan. Thanks very much, guys. Good to be here. Hey, um, I, you know, there's a few points there that we we sort of uh, mentioned about your, your racing side of things. But in terms of your, your coaching, I mean, how, a, a lot of our listeners um, do a bit of coaching on the side, or, or some of them are looking to to get into coaching in a, in a slightly bigger way. So, how did your sort of coaching career start from you? For you? Um, well, I think what it was is that when I uh, I used to work full time in corporate health promotion and uh, not the last economic downturn, but the one prior to that, uh, I got made redundant and put into a contracting role. Um, and that opened, opened up a big opportunity for me to go off and um, do a little bit more training. And I'd sort of mucked around with triathlon for a number of years. Uh, but it was something that I found was uh, a real, real passion of mine and probably the only thing that I really invested a lot of time in um, in terms of improving myself, uh, both through coaching myself personally and, and doing a lot of uh, research about training and training methods and so forth. Um, and when I started to, to have a little bit more spare time and, and started to, be, um, through the contracting role, become self-employed, I thought that it would be a, 
probably a good thing for me to um, start looking at adding to what I did in terms of my employment by starting to coach a few more people. And so I probably started off really just looking at it from um, a perspective of if someone asked me to coach and I knew them and they were local, then I would, you know, assist them with training and and uh, give them a few of my ideas. But I didn't really actively push it as, as a big part of my business because I wasn't sure if it was something that I wanted to do full time. So uh, it sort of worked out that as my performances improved, um, more people asked me to coach them and I had to really make a a conscious decision as to whether it was something I wanted to really move into. And uh, another uh, friend of mine who was um, an elite triathlete at the time, we sort of sat down one day and said, you know, maybe there's a market for us to become a, a, a business where we uh, – or create a coaching umbrella where we can get one or two coaches working underneath this particular umbrella, which we did with fitter.co.nz. And um, we could maybe go into the market as a couple of younger coaches uh, looking to maybe offer a, a slightly different uh, coaching relationship with people, and we've sort of pushed forward with it from there. And um, you know, what, are, what are some of the difficulties you face? Because I guess, as you said, you didn't uh, make the, the leap straight into doing it full-time. Is it just something you, you built up over, over time? And, and what were some of the difficulties you faced? Um, I think what we're really trying to do is that we sat down as as athletes ourselves, and I mean, I've um, I've probably only really been coached myself for you know twelve to eighteen months uh, by a by a by another coach, rather than than really looking to to train myself. And we we sort of thought to ourselves that. Uh, what we want to try and do is, is provide an opportunity for people um, in, a, in a smaller environment than what we'd experienced ourselves uh, to have some really close one-on-one contact with, with coaches. So we looked at what was happening and probably if we, if we talk about the Auckland coaching landscape, which where we were based, what a lot of people were actually um, receiving when they got coached by um, a lot of the, the more well-known coaches, the guys that were doing it full-time here in Auckland. And what we decided to do is try to offer what we think is a little bit more of a, um, a personalised approach to, to coaching. We thought if we could get our name out there uh, and and let people know that, that what we believe is um, to be coached is to actually have access to the coaches. It's not just having a, a training program written for you. It's and just really receiving an online version of what you could probably buy off the internet or um, read in a magazine or pick up from a book. So our, our biggest obstacle to start with was really looking at how we could um, create a small body or a squad of athletes that we could really deal with on a one-to-one basis. Um, and get our name out there uh, that we were actually really providing people an opportunity to to feel like they were having a, a coaching relationship as such. So the biggest obstacle for us is, is trying to, to um, let people understand that, that what we believe is a coaching relationship is like, it could be a little bit different to what they're receiving at the moment. And uh, yeah, just with that, you know, because like, I'm sure a few of our listeners are of. Of, of a level where maybe coaching can supplement their sport, which then, you know, maybe we could provide them more time to train. They might be that kind of second-tier athlete looking to break through. You know, when you go into the you know, idea of setting up a business around, you know, making a career out of coaching, 
what were some of the, you know, because we all tend to know the sports stuff. You know, we all tend to love the sports stuff. And I know I've worked in fitness for years and it's actually the business side people are pretty poor at. So as you kind of looked at, you know, how did you kind of think, or how can we build a name for ourselves and how can we, what kind of business things do we need to bring into it so that we actually can create a, a brand or a business that can be successful? Yeah, look, that was, um, I think we've probably been uh, masters of that in some way um, of late. Uh, we're, we're probably really pushed into this as, as and really looked at it as a full-time entity within the last probably 12 months. And uh, both uh, myself and Andrew Mackay works under the, the our coaching banner. Um, I think what we're really good at is is building relationships, and that's not just with um, our athletes, but also with events. Um, and what we looked at doing is saying, well, uh, after Challenge Wanaka, not this year, but last year when I placed third there, well, I, I immediately got in touch with um, Victoria Murray Orr after the race, and I thought to myself, well, when I go and race internationally, I see a lot of these big events and they have a coaching partnership or a relationship with a coaching business alongside the, the particular event, which is, which is a really a no-brainer in, in assisting people um, into their race and giving people a better opportunity to uh, to train for an event. Um, and so we, we uh, put a proposal to VIX and uh, said, well, you know, you, you don't seem to have a, a coaching partnership at the moment. Um we have a we have a, a, a coaching umbrella called Fitter. Why don't you um, look at what we can do alongside you to provide what we call the, the challenge coaching um, partnership? And people can access their website and contact us directly, and then we can obviously assist them in training specifically for their events. So we sort of started it there because that was a natural way for us to be able to get our name out into the market. This challenge is yeah. a big brand, and we like what they do, and we obviously immediately had access to their database because we'd then go out on their newsletter. We sort of did the same thing again um, with the Port of Tauranga Half Ironman. They wanted to uh, provide a a um, coaching program that they would option to be able to generate funds for their pet charity, which was Helicopter Rescue. So we offered um, free coaching packages to them as well, and they auctioned or looked to auction off six coaching packages. So we immediately go onto their um, email uh, sort of database, and that's another way that we get promoted out there. Um, I write an article for the VO2 mag. So we, we just looked at these really, really simple but free ways of, of, of getting our name out there um, by accessing other events. And if we can do something for free to assist people into that event, it's a, it's a win-win for the event promoter. Um, and obviously we get a chance to, 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 you know, spread our name a little bit more um, outside the Auckland sort of uh, area. Um, in terms of your, your pro career, you know, um, you've got your results up there from 2010 and 20, 2011, some, some great results there. How have you pro career. Well, pro career. <laughs> hey, you, once you've taken the one cent, mate, you're a pro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'll be the last person to call myself a pro, but I mean, that's it just this cheaper way to race. So <laughs> if I buy a pro membership with, uh, with, with Ironman, I can go and race as many races as I like. Oh, and I have no, I have no, I know sort of uh, dreams or aspirations of going to Kona. I just get to race heats and it's cheaper than doing an age group entry. Exactly. <laughs> I totally agree with that. Um, how, do, how have you managed to fit it in, you know, in terms around work, family, um, uh, you know, what, what sort of hours have you been cranking up when you're out there um, training for these events? 
Um, well, I mean, I not to uh, give you guys too much credit, obviously, but um, give us it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I I'm probably someone who, uh, as I say, I'm, I, I could consider myself fairly much self-coached, and so um, I've learned a lot from. Um, researching myself I, I learn a hell of a lot from listening to your guys podcasts and all the little bits that um, I can pick up on on terms of uh, some of the stuff other listeners send into the show and so forth and I suppose I would probably say the biggest uh, impact on my career was um, starting to follow a lot of what Gordo Byrne does um, and how he actually coaches and some of his philosophies um, and I was probably when I sort of started just making, I mean, for me, uh, what happened is before Ironman New Zealand, when they used to have like a, a different pro and age group start, um, I used to probably be able to swim um, with, you know, the second or third pack at, at Ironman New Zealand and then biking's my strength and all of a sudden I'd, you know, be sitting in the second pack the whole way around and be first age grouper off the bike and I started to think to myself, well, you know, bloody hell, if I sort my run out or if I, uh, you know, can just just keep bringing that run time down, then I may as well sign up and do it as a pro because at the end of the day I can get to race more and I can do it in a cheaper way. Mm -hmm. So, But I learned a lot from um, reading a lot of Gordo stuff and I think it's really a sensible way to, um, to approach training for Ironman. I was able to probably do a little bit more quality rather than just um, quantity, and in, but in, in quite a specific way to Ironman racing. And I think what happened there is that, um, you know, if you understand how to piece together an Ironman um, and how to pace it, then um, if you can get the, the training right on the other side of it, you, the, the hours that you need to do aren't as excessive as a lot of people think. So I sort of uh, learned very early that um, that I could maybe the quantity approach wasn't really always the best way to go, and so I think I was able to maybe combine thirty hours work and uh, you know in terms of employment and spread that over a seven day period and probably get up to I would I'd knock out when I'm really in specific work for an Ironman probably a a 25-hour training week. Um, so I do still do a fair amount of volume, but um, I'm definitely not, you know, 30-plus hours or anything like that, and it seems to work for me. Um, and I think as I get older, um, you know, I just can't do as much hard stuff. I've tried it before. Look, I mean, I actually coach um, uh, Kieran Doe, and I have done for about the last six months, and I learned very quickly that when I first um, met Kieran and tried to train with him, that um, that wasn't going to work as the stress fracture in my pelvis testified for. <laughs> so um, so it was that was a good learning curve for me. And even though I might have been sort of um, competing in pro races alongside these guys, I just couldn't do the same amount of training. So um, I think I'm, I'm pretty sensible in that regard. And so it, it's a good good way to learn how to coach as well. So you mentioned pacing, you know, in terms of getting the pacing right, and, and, and obviously the training you got to take care of. But but pacing yourself through a race, how how does that work for you? You know, uh, are you out there riding to power? Are you riding to perceived effort? And, and how have you learnt to pace yourself? Oh look, I mean, I I took five Ironmans to learn how to pace myself, and each one I realised I had to back more off on the bike, um, and back more off on the bike, and back more off on the bike, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, that's how you run a marathon, and so. I mean, that, that's a 
I mean, I've just come back from a, a training camp with our athletes down in Taupo, and there were about 20, 20 people on our training camp for training for Ironman New Zealand, you know. And so, I mean, you've got to, sometimes you have to go through the experience. I mean, we, we're, we're trying to illustrate to these guys that, that you know, an Ironman bike league at, at stages should feel pretty comfortable and pretty easy, but these guys are out there um, thinking that they can TT it for 180 k's and expect to just grit their teeth and run a marathon. And it's just not working that way. So, I mean, I, I I probably did four Ironmans before I really knew what optimal pacing was. Um, at that stage, I, I picked up on power, so I, I train. Um, quite specifically with power. Um, I, I offer that to people in coaching as well. Um, it's, a, it's an incredible way to, to manage a, an Ironman triathlon when you're just trying to, I mean, it's an exercise in, in balancing that that loss of energy across, you know, your nine-hour race. So power is a big thing for me. Um, although in saying that, though, not everyone has access to that and there are other metrics that you can use to obviously pace an Ironman and heart rate's one of those. Um, and then... Perceived effort's a very difficult one, for I think, for a lot of novice athletes. But, uh, you know, a heart rate monitor, virtually anyone has access to. So we sort of we sort of start from that basis and, you know, go from there. I suppose just, it's just kind of wrap up because John's got to get going soon. But I suppose if just, you know, you are a real example of um, there are a lot of people who aspire to in our world, you know, who are kind of pretty decent athletes and, and want to go into the business so they can provide a lifestyle where they can train a lot. If you had a couple of quick tips for someone out there listening right now and to A, to be successful with the business and be successful as an athlete at the same time, just maybe a couple of quick tips on that. Oh, like John, I would say get yourself a coach if you're really wanting to improve in in terms of uh, long distance racing. Um, you know, we can go and spend a hell of a lot of money on gear and so forth, and supplements and nutrition, but um, that 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 experience and knowledge that's required to get through a long distance race when. You know, you can finish a short distance race and virtually anyone can get through it. Um, but for a long distance race, there's so many things that can go wrong that can actually mean that you, you don't actually finish. Uh, and I don't think, no matter how expensive your bike is or how flashy wheels are, I mean, that's, that's not going to provide the answer to you. So, I mean, I would, I, I would, get, I would get as much um, knowledge from, from a coach that you could possibly get and that would be where you, your best value for your dollar would go. But trying to balance the the career with um, with work uh, and training and so forth again is that um, I think you know training's one part of the the sort of the equation um, and uh, again I think you know a coach can help you balance that uh, and doing more training is not always the best way to go it's doing the right training at the right times but I, I think you know. Um, you have to, to get buy-in from the family. Um, they, they have to be on the same journey with you as well. Um, if They have to understand what you're trying to achieve and, and, and there has to be some payback, obviously, and that's that's something that's not always easy to do. Um, I know a lot of my athletes, um, uh, when they go and tell their, their new partners or new girlfriends that they won't be there all weekend because they're off training, it's uh, they just don't understand why. So you've got to be pretty clear in, in what you're trying to achieve and you've got to be able to put something back um, when you're not training. So that's just all about communication. Um, and as athletes, um, we tend to be a little bit selfish sometimes. So um, we've just got to be aware of it, you know, because if you haven't got support at home, then then doing uh, 
long distance racing to the best of your ability will be compromised. So it, it does have to be something that the, the whole family unit's involved in or it's, uh, it's a pretty tough road to hoe. One thing that you've um, done to improve your performance is you started with a bit of the old extreme endurance. So, um, oh, nice! <laughs> you got that. You got the ads in here, are we? Yeah. Nice. So, so, so tell us about. Yeah, well, you've obviously heard about it on um, on the show. So, tell us about your experiences um, with it so far. Oh, look! I mean, it's 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 funny because I mean, you know that you get all the guys who have been using the product and, and really it's just anecdotal evidence. It's um, like yourself, you, you turn around and say, you don't know what's, what's happening, but you just feel that you bounce back better. Um, I mean, as part of a promotion for, for my business last year, I turned 40 and so I said, right, I'm going to do four Ironmans and four different continents and finish in the top four percent in one year that's a good promotion that's a crazy promotion yeah yeah well yeah i tell you what i think i paid the price for it but i mean i I started with challenge wanaka so i finished third in the pro race there i went to utah thinking that i'd go well there as well because no one wants to do utah because it's such a tough course and that didn't go as as well as i'd hoped and i got 10th um but then I went to Ironman Korea, and that's about the time that I approached Extreme Endurance. And I said, and I think to myself, well, you know, everyone's saying it's it's good. Um, I'm probably putting myself to the test of uh, of my limits, um, and what can I do that outside of training that's going to improve this? So, I mean, I approached them and just asked them for sponsorship, and they don't always do that readily. But um, they thought what I was attempting would be something that their product could assist me with. So they sent me some product. And the thing about trying to do four Ironmans in one year is that, I mean, there, there was just no recovery. I mean, I, I was just sort of flatlining in terms of my performance. I would do a race. I'd probably give myself less than a week off before I'd go back into a, a training phase. But there was no basic endurance building. I was back into race-specific preparation, you know, like the turnaround between Utah and Ironman career, I think, was maybe seven or eight weeks. But all through the year, because I have power as a metric to measure performance um, and obviously a Garmin for my running and so forth, I mean, I, I wasn't seeing any sort of changes. I was sort of maintaining what I had in Challenge Wanaka in January across the board. But it was a, it was just before, um, just post-career, uh, I sort of um, had started taking it or just before career, so there was no real chance with careers build up to see if there was any change. But I just found that um, for the same heart rate, my watts on the bike probably lifted five or ten watts. Um, Just when I was going out and doing race-specific sessions for the Ironman Bike League, same perceived effort, same heart rate, five or ten watts higher. And I'd done my training hadn't changed in any way across the board. And the only thing that had changed was that extreme endurance. I started taking that as a supplement. So. I was just like, well, hey, that, that's my only measure. It works for me. Um, and I would have imagined that by the third and fourth Ironman that I, the first thing I'd be seeing was a deterioration. And and, and subsequently, um, towards the end of the year, I started to feel that. But, again, that's probably more so to do with the fact that four Ironmans at 40 years of age is a bloody hard <laughs> task. And um, But I would say that what propped me up through the, the back end of the year was definitely extreme endurance. And I... I mean, I, I, all I can say is anecdotal evidence, but mm. for me, it, it, it works 
Well, you've, really just, you've just done a great ad. Discount code IM Talk. There you go. Discount code IM Talk. If you want to get it every month, use ADIM Talk. There you go. If anybody wants to find out more about um, Bevan, you go to fitter.co.nz. And it's a great website, too. You've done a great job with the website. We're, we're, are we going to see you racing this summer? Um. I don't know that I can really mix uh, coaching and racing really well. I, I really want to be there for the people that I'm coaching, so I don't think I'll um, race the New Zealand season um, in any way. I just don't feel I can do justice. If I was to train for an Ironman and was down at you know Taupo or, say, Challenge um, during race week, the last thing I'd probably want is 20 athletes turning up asking me a million questions. Mm-hmm. So I think I'll go away and race um, Challenge Cairns in June. Um, nice. I think I've got I've got one opportunity to hold the fastest Ironman time for a 40-year-old before Cam turns 40 next year. So <laughs> yeah. I, I'll find a flat course um, <laughs> and then try and go and do that over in Challenge. So I think I'll be racing New Zealand's winter season and then in the summer look to just keep the coaching going and try to be there a bit more for the athletes. Hey, mate, it looks like you're doing great work. And again, fitter.co.nz if you want to check out what those guys are doing there and they can have, maybe talk to Bevan and see some of their articles there as well. Cool. Thanks for your time, Bevan. Thanks, guys. See you later. Website of the week brought to you by SLS. Try use the code I am talk for twenty five percent off. Got some good SL. feedback about those guys, didn't we, John? Yes. People are loving the SLS. SLS dot com twenty five percent off. Okay, John. So good old James, the wise one, Botel sent through this one. He's got some friends in Brooklyn Tri Club decided to launch their own website to provide unbiased and intelligent reviews of gears, races, co- clubs, and coaches, and some information about endurance training. It's newly launched, but it's growing fast based on their eager people and expanding network that is uh, infecting others with the desire to contribute to this good idea. They're looking for reviewers and it's a good opportunity for listeners if they want to provide and have found uh, existing forums just overfill plus reviews are good um, and they connect you with the events. So Website is uh, enduraglide.com and it still doesn't the, the reason I brought it up here is it doesn't have a lot of content up there yet so yep. they, the, the reason putting it out there is if you've got do you, do you want to clear your throat yes yeah just, <coughs> thanks, thanks, thanks for doing it in front of the mic it's good yeah you out there no water this morning oh, that's why do, do you want me to get your water while you're talking about this blame Bevan no water no water so juraglide.com the reason I put it out there I had a look at the website and uh, there's not a lot of content up there yet and so if, you, if, you're, a, if you're a gear geek um, and you want to start Submitting some information into them. Go, so is, is, is it like a com- it's basically reviewing. You know, it's the, the, the but idea. The community is, provides the reviews. Um, they'll, they'll have some reviewers that'll do that. So if you want to get involved and want to be a reviewer, get in touch with them. And the idea is obviously to give impartial, non-biased um, reviews on product. I had a quick look on there, and they talked a bit about cycling pedals, and they gave a good overview of all the different sort of cycling pedals, the pros and cons to different different types, clipless, non-clipless, etc. Um, speed play versus look keos, etc. So I guess you know, if you want to get involved with it, if you want to, if you like somebody that. Uh, Wants to get into a bit of writing and reviewing products. You know what? I think it's on. good. These, these, like this one is in its early days, and I hope it does turn into something pretty big because 
The problem is, like, for example, so, you know, I was going to buy a bike, and mm. I ended up buying my bike, which is great. And uh, But the thing was, I, I did look at the second-hand path, and I was kind of having a look at, you know, I was looking on trade, and there was a bike that seemed pretty good, and it was in the price range I wanted to pay and all the rest of it. So that was all good. And so I went on some websites to find some reviews, and you get these reviews, and they're really good reviews, but then at the end they say, oh, well, come to our website. And, you know, and so mm. it was kind of – and there was no criticism of the product. It was very much, you know, it was basically a sales pitch. Yeah. And – you know, if you didn't, you know, I know something. You need you need someone who's going to go. Actually, like it's, and it's, I don't know. Maybe there are websites that already do this. I don't know, but um, it was really hard to find really good reviews that was fair and balanced. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas you look at like if you look at computer gears, there's some really good websites. If you want to buy computer gear, and they'll, and they'll say, look, these are downfalls. These are what's good. If you're this type of person, this is what's going to suit. And so, and you know what? I'm sure a lot of listeners out there are probably going, oh, you need this website, Bev. But this hopefully this website could turn into something like that because. Um, you need it, eh? Because we spend so much money in our sport. Well, they're also doing it for for, for um, equipment, um, but also they're looking at doing it for for gear um, as well. Uh, for, for sorry, for races and also for coaches as well. So just go on there and say, John, you said, "Wow, that guy, he well, knows his business." Stuff. And uh, maybe they should do podcasts as well and say, "Well, this podcast, you know, yeah, I'm talks like five star crap. Re- they just talk five shit star review." <laughs> <laughs> if we don't get a five star, you never get never mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, Go on there, enduroglide.com, and uh, if you want to help them grow, maybe become a bit of a reviewer, or just give them an eye like on Facebook and start getting things growing. Very, very good, John. Okay, so that's uh, Enduro, and they're probably brought to you by SLS. And one thing SLS do is they support Sea Shepherds. Now, John, I knew what these were. Did you? Yeah, because my old flatmate was really hardcore into it. Yes. So Sea Shepherds so Shepherd were established in 1977. Great year, John. Do you know why? Uh, you were born. Exactly. Sea Shepherd Conservative, uh, Conservation Society, SSCS, is an international non-profit marine wildlife conservation organisation. Their mission is to end the destruction of habitat and a slaughter of wildlife in the world's oceans in order to conserve and protect ecosystems and species. The organisation has gained recognition through TV series Whale Wars. Now these guys are a little bit controversial. These are the ones. Remember that guy who went just went to went to jail for years mm. in mm. Japan? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Sea Shepherd, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, one dollar of every product that's being sold um, through SLS is being donated to Sea Shepherds. That's quite a reasonable amount. Yeah. Um, so if you want to, uh, yeah, it's like Coffees of Y support some, some great causes as well. So it's just nice that companies have got, um, these guys yeah. go out and fight the Japanese whalers and stuff like that. Don't know. Mm. They're, they're like really out there. Yeah. yeah. So, um, SLS do, do all the compression garments, your tights, your socks, um, your, your sleeves also do race gear as well. So check it out at slstry.com. Com. And use the IM Talk discount code at check out twenty five percent off twenty five percent discount. And we're getting some feedback. People are loving it and loving the deal, John. Yes. So like us, you guys are a little bit cheap, and we love it. Mm. Okay, cool. questions and answers. And first one's coming through from Peter Skelton, and he's just saying, "Love the show. I'm training for the UK seventy point three next summer, and I'm listening to all the shows from the very start." Oh, it's a lot of shows. A little bit of hard work. Um, Up to show 60 so far and peeing on the bike being a highlight. Great. Training question. In time limited at the weekend, uh, I'm I'm limited, uh, time limited in the weekends because of family, but on Sunday I can get two hours at lunch and two hours in the evening for riding on the trainer. So physiologically, is two lots of two hours the same as or nearly as good as doing a four-hour ride? 
Well, it's not. But firstly, remember, we've got to get the relationship balanced here, Peter. So yes. don't go, don't go pushing the boundaries too much. Don't go and, changing. And, and I think there's one of my points is with seventy point three, you can get away with not doing quite as much. And Ironman, look, you just do the you, if, if, you, if you don't, if you can't do some long rides in Ironman, you don't have to be doing them every week if you don't want to be winning the flipping race. But you've just you've got to get some long rides, and otherwise. Well, I suppose you can still get through it, but it's What's just the minimal amount of riding long rides. Like, can you do five hour rides? It depends on speed, doesn't it? It does. It depends on speed. But if, you're, if, you're, if your guy's going to be riding for eight hours, it's not many people that ride eight hours. There's, there's a lot of people that ride sort of six, to sort seven. Of six to seven hours. Okay, let's say seven. Yeah. Do you do a seven hour ride? You got to do a couple of seven hour rides. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, again, you can get away with it, but. If you really, if you're going to give it a crack, you, you need to have a couple of those under your belt. And realistically, you know, in the, in the final ten to twelve weeks, you know, you, you've got. If, that, that's, if you say right, in the final twelve weeks, I, I want it every second week. I've got to do a decent ride. It may not, maybe not seven, but you know, five hours or so. You need to be sort of committing that for a half. I mean, you can get away with it. Oh, but, John, we need to. Yep, we'll, we'll do it in, in, okay, in about sorry. two minutes. Um, but um, what I, you know, four hours riding is better than doing two lots of two hours. Um, but I'd say if you can somehow negotiate it, you can maybe get a three hour session rather than doing two two hour sessions. If you can get a two and a half to maybe three hour session, and I think that would probably work a bit better rather than trying to do two sessions on well, the, was, your day the other off. thing is that it's two hour rides, not two hours. It's actually two and a half, if not more, because by the time you set up, by the time you get home, you know, so you're actually probably taking up five hours of your day. Mm. So, so. I, I'd, I'd suggest maybe looking at, yeah. You know, doing two hours one week and not doing the second session and then try to negotiate that you can now you do every second week you can do maybe a three hour session and try to get so you can get that that uh, slightly longer stint in um you could go for the early morning early morning would be yeah you got to, early mornings are great because yeah, yeah especially, especially with family yeah you just go right i'm getting up at um, even on sunday if you got up 5 30 when yeah. you could get a good three or four hours in and you're home by 10 exactly and you've got the whole day yeah you know, you might you have to rest, have some breakfast, and then by lunchtime you've got a fresh mind. And early morning is the way to go. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I've just been on holiday, and like what we'd do is, you know, I'd be looking after the kids when they first get up. Linda could stay in bed as long as she likes. As soon as she gets up, boom, I'm out the door for an hour run. And yeah, you know, by the time she's actually woken up, I'm more or less back. Yeah, and uh, and you, 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 and, and when you go riding, okay, well, it's going to be a lot longer than an hour. But if you can get up and do the, like I know, when there's a lot of guys in Christchurch, you get up and do a real early morning Sunday rides, and you know they do long rides, but you're still home by eleven. Mm. And you know, by the time you freshen up and have a bit of a nap and something to eat, you've actually got all afternoon to be with your family. So yeah. Otherwise, you know, if you were, if you are stuck with that two hours and two hours, then I'd suggest you you mix it up from week to week. You know, doing a, a two hour ride and then maybe a two hour run, so you can get a fatigued, um, a slightly fatigued long run in. Um, or if you're going to do two 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 hour sessions on the bike, um, you know, maybe making the first session a bit more of a steady state session. You know, around Ironman effort, which I know you're doing seventy point threes doesn't mean much, but just a, a steady state effort. And then the second session being more specific. So, you know, either depending on what phase of training you're in, either, you know, doing a resistance session, you know, um, hill reps or doing um, some sort of interval session, but mixing it up a bit from, from week to week. But as I did say earlier, with a 70.3, you can get away. You don't, I don't think you need to be thinking, right, I've got to do a long ride every single week. You do need some long rides, but you can get away with it a little bit more than what you can with, with Ironman side of things. And we're off to do an interview. Yeah. I'm still so up. there you go, Peter. Good work. Good I was luck. Just, I was just going to have a pause here, but that's good. Here we go. So we're going to be back in two seconds. 
And we're back. And we're back. And we're back. Those two seconds were only actually one second for you. It's amazing, John. We've actually been gone half an hour. Um, I just want to add one other thing on there for for Peter. Um, Just a couple of common things I see with guys doing um, medium-long rides, common errors. Um, Firstly, and this ties in well with the interview we've just done with uh, Bevan, um, working with with power and stuff, um, going out far too hard on, on, on rides and then not being able to bring it home hard enough. So whenever you're doing a, you know, a, a long ride um, or a medium long ride, trying to build your way through it. Not, I suppose not every single time, but um, you all want to be, have those hard intervals at the end of the ride usually. Uh, not running off the, the bike enough, especially after hard rides. Um, so if you're going to go out there and do a solid you know, two to three hour ride or race paced effort or intervals, um, having a bit of a run off that um, very frequently is good. Sometimes a reasonable run off that as well. And then sometimes with these medium long rides, people don't pay enough attention to their nutrition because what you can get away with it on the, the short, shorter rides because um, you, can, you can just get through it with just maybe a couple of bites of something or a gel here and there um, but you're depleting your system and that's really going to not set you very well up for the following days because you know two to four hour sessions do deplete you quite a bit um, but uh, if you can replenish during the session as well as after the session then you'll set yourself up nicely. Okay, nice. We've got a couple of quick little emails to go through here. James Lawrence, his guy's doing 30 Ironman races this year, mm-hmm. and he's doing it for tryandgiveadam.com. He's using it as a fundraising thing for trying to give a damn. And he gave us an email just saying if we knew anyone to do a homestay with in Taupo. And I think he thought we lived close to Taupo. And yeah. I said, well, you're not going to be staying at our house if you want to race that race. So, but if you know anybody around that area who does some homestay, now I, I kind of emailed back and forth to James just kind of saying, how can you afford to do this? You know, because yeah. there's 30 races and, and he said, you know, you pretty much try to do it on the bones of your butt. And, uh, and one thing he does try to do is he tries to get homestays in all the races. And so he said, if you do want to help him out, you go to his website, tryandgiveadam.com, and I'll put that on www.imtalk.me. Then you can then go there and if you know check out what races he's doing and if you can help him with a homestay or something like that that'd be really good because he's trying to do it as cheap as possible so that then he can actually get to the race and I said if he if, you know, if he gets the victory we'll get him on the show there you go because he has got the world record twenty two for the seventy point threes in thirty nice. weeks just a world record Guinness nice. world record so he's in the book John oh he's in the book. That would be pretty cool. When you're a kid, you always wanted to be in the book, didn't you? Just book of records. And lastly, I've got one other quick email here. I think I can leave that one. And we'll okay. do it next week. Um, John Athling- needs to go. John's Ath- in a hurry. Um, Athlinks.com. You know, I think it might have even been last week or the week before. I, I was taught saying, don't lose your results. You know, I talked about the, the first Don't do it, John. Don't lose them. First ever challenge race that I did, and, and the race director moved on, and, uh, and they didn't carry those results over. But... Same, same thing happened in my last triathlon that I've done. Um, and again, uh, the, the but that's a pretty professional triathlon, John. No, it was because what's happened is they had the triathlon in Auckland, and it was a fantastic event. And it was the sort of the, the the trial run for the finale of the World Championship Series and the age group World Champs next year. And their website has now switched over to going onto the triathlon.org website and all the build up for for, yep. for next year. And it's got the results of the elite race up there, but I couldn't happen to find the age group results anywhere. But thankfully, okay. I'd claimed my result, and uh, and Athlinks had got the results up there, um, so I was able to to keep my result. From so the John's race that day, he had a swim of twenty one fifty two for how long? What was it? Was it Olympic distance? No, uh, it can't have been. Yeah, Olympic distance, fifteen hundred. Nice. So happy with that time. Um, I yeah. don't know if that includes transition or not. I have to surely. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Bike time one hundred five. Not bad. Forty. Yeah. Could have yeah. better. Could have better. Could have better run thirty six. Could have done better. I was thinking I was going to run sub thirty six. I thought I was going to. I thought I was going to run th- somewhere in the thirty fives. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, 
my result there was not was not the the key key facet key facet. So maybe this is one of those ones you hope that they didn't put on there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Still did okay. But the other cool things is you know that tells me second in the age group. It's same age group. It tells me you know that I was uh, six minutes off my best time for for that um, for that distance. Oh really? Um, so, and it also goes through and gives you you know, all your age group placings, and you can click off, and it gives you sort of a percentage where you finished in your age group. You're like a star, John. You're star number two. Star number two. Yeah. Uh, and then you can obviously go off and see see where you finished uh, overall in the event as well. well. What's cool about it, it does kind of div- yeah, it kind of gives you the race stats, and but then it gives you your own comparison as well. So you can kind of look over your races and the best you've ever done Olympic based on is this your actually best one for I guess, I guess so. Well, no, it's the best online record that I've got. What do you think's the best you've ever done? Oh, and I would have done quicker than that, but that was before sort of the internet, you know. And the, yeah, most of my result, racing was. But what of, would have it been? Oh, probably about one fifty-five, I guess. Oh, but it smoking. makes course. Oh, whatever, don't don't grease. I'm not. I'd love to do a one fifty-five. That is. I mean, smoking. I would have guessed I'd be. Yeah, I would have been swimming under twenty, biking an hour flat, and running sort of thirty-four, thirty, something like that. Probably, yep. I guess. Um, but yeah, it's just I'm just happy that you're able to keep these results because there's so many results that I've. That have just disappeared for a month. And websites do come and go, don't they? You know mm. what I mean? And, you know, some guy wants to put on a race one year and you kind of go, yeah, I'm going to do this race. And then it goes belly up, but you've had your best race ever. And get them up there. Someone was giving me crap on Facebook. I think it was Tony Hodge saying. And you deserve this crap. Tony Hodge has got, hey guys, yeah, so every week we hear about fab things about athletes. And you're right, it's a great place to, for, to record all your results over the years. Tell me though, if the results of last year's JD duathlons are still not showing up on athletes, is it athletes' problem or is it the race director being slack? Well, the, the athletes need to take a bit of responsibility and submit the results, but also the race director could also submit the results. Uh, as who well. would that race director be? That would be well, Dave Dwan is uh, is yeah, I've got, Dave, oh, that was Dave's, Dave's responsibility. <laughs> Dave's responsibility. No, it's Dave and myself. Uh, so I'll, I'll get onto that for you, Tony. You better. If it's, up, sure. if it's not up there by next week, you're in trouble. Okay. I'll get onto it. Yeah. Right. It's athlinks.com. Athlinks.com. Check it out. Okay. So sponsors are? Athlinks.com. Just get your race director to sort their crap out. Coffees of Hawaii. Um, Valentine's. Gets, oh, Valentine's. That's right. Yes. Yep. And Extreme Endurance. Hey, and if Bevan loves it, you always got to trust the Bevan. Exactly. <laughs> trust the Bevan. Okay. Go on, John. What's your goss? I've been on holiday. Got back last night. Belinda was out there cleaning the chunder off the car seats. What maybe, maybe my aggressive driving earlier. We got up at uh, 5 30. Well, you're your hoon, were you? Well, the first part of the drive's really windy, quite yeah, windy. Yeah, and windy. And uh, the kids didn't respond very well to that. And so we had both of them chundering. At what point did you know you were in trouble? Um, pretty early on, somebody said, "Oh, my tummy's not feeling very good." And so you put the half down. hour into the drive. Oh no! And uh, we both had them both chunder in the car. And they spewed in the car. Like yeah, Thomas was fantastic. He he got in the bag because he he was great. And but Felicity just went everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. And so, what, how long in the car were you with spew smell? Oh, yeah, probably for a good good four hours. <gasps> You yeah, poor thing. It was fantastic. Awesome effort. Um, and we also had an awesome holiday up in Kaiteri, great place, Kaiteri Terry in Christchurch in New Zealand. Took Thomas on a, he wanted to walk up to the sky. This is the walk that Belinda talked about, said he could do when he was a big boy. And, walk up to the sky. Wow, well, this I'll tell you. And, and, and Belinda said, you can do it when you're a big boy, you know, when you're at school and stuff. And he didn't want a bar of that. And this is a full on walk. It took us uh, two hours to do it. <laughs> and you were walking up a very steep hill. And uh, Thomas did that. So I was very oh, proud of him. Nice. It was a daddy thing to do. Nice. Just you and Tommy? Me and Tom. Yeah. Nice. Good times all around. Bevan, what have you been up to? John, a few things. Yeah. Bought a bike. 
Yes. Went down to Scotty Brown's. Good old Scotty Brown looked after me, which is good. good. Uh, got myself a new Pinarello, so mm. I have to admit, and I have to admit, it feels quite nice to ride. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Do you know what I did? What? I just picked the prettiest one. It's pink, pretty in pink? Yeah. Because mm. nice. pink, pink's hot. No, nice. it's a kind of white and black, but it's pretty cool. Play with a banjo on. <gasps> Stepped up a gear oh, this goodness. year because I've been playing practice on my piano for the last couple of years, and I thought to myself, this year is the year where I create more music and yes. I start playing with other musicians and get lessons. So I've started my lessons. Lessons happened a few weeks ago. I started doing those. Started writing some songs, and then last Tuesday night, John went around to this band, mm-hmm. joined in, didn't have a keyboard. They had two guitarists, a bass player, a drummer. They're all pretty good, actually, John. Mm-hmm. Even had a singer right. and a backup dancer. And so, what were you doing? I was playing the keys, mate. You are playing the keys? Yeah. Okay. And at first I was a little bit nervous. Yeah. So what I did is turn myself down a little bit. So yeah, yeah. yeah. By the end of it, I was pumping it out. Nice. Yeah. We have to, say, we have to hear some recordings. It was, it, was, it was actually cool because when you play music, playing by yourself is wicked. Like at home, just having, you know, mucking around is really cool. But when you like, if you can get a mate around with the guitar or someone to mm. sing, it's so much more fun. But then when you've actually got a band, it was pretty cool. I'm still very much kind of amateur hour, but it was, it was, those guys were great. It was really cool. And then, other than that, I tell you what, you you know what you need to do in the next couple of weeks. He's pointing the finger. Everybody's pointing the finger in Christchurch, and this is only for Christchurch people. But every summer they have a free outdoor show. Last summer they had the history of rugby, and it's like a ninety-minute free outdoor. Guys from the court theatre put it on, and it's mm-hmm. it's really entertaining. And yesterday, Joe and I went and saw the history of Christchurch, right? And it's very good. And it's it, it, you know where the bandwidth under is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it's free, and you take your kids and stuff, and it's really, really good. So. Come, come down to Christchurch. Come down to Christchurch. Yeah, because it's the only thing you can do with tourism. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, John, not much. My daughter's doing my running program. Nice. And she's doing really well, so that's Impressive. really good. Yeah, it's, it's very, very good. Other than that, not much. There's not much cost. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia kaha. John needs to go. So yeah, that means get it. finish now. Yes. Here we go.